This is Clutch Fans. And by the way, shout out to the Clutch fans. You're listening to the Clutch Fans Podcast, an open conversation for Houston Rockets diehards. Houston Rockets is unbeatable. <laughs> Now, here's your host, the man who would have drafted Harold Miner over Robert Ory, Dave Hardesty. Never in my lifetime did I think that I would see the Clutch City era Rockets once again, but we have a miracle on our hands. Uh, Just an absolutely incredible comeback by the Houston Rockets with their backs to the wall down 3-1 and looking completely lifeless after a game four disaster in Los Angeles. They've won three straight. They take game seven tonight, 113 to 100 over the LA Clippers, eliminating the Clippers and moving on to the West Finals for the first time since 1997. I'm here with MK Bauer. I don't even have to call him my guest anymore. We do these home podcasts. MK, I am geeking out. I'm trying to keep it down. (laughs) Um, I'm just, um, I'm so, I, I can't tell you how proud I am of this team after all the hate and all the backlash that they received after Game Four. It's, uh, the, the Game Six finish was as remarkable of a, of a performance as I've seen in a very, very long time of watching pro basketball my entire life. And and I think the balance of the series and what you're talking about, it, not just Game Four, but got smashed in Game Three as well. Lost in Game One at home when the Clippers didn't have Chris Paul. All the signs were there that it wasn't the Rockets' time. Yeah. And, and I thought James Harden spoke very eloquently about this post game. And maybe we should have all forgotten this, that this team won a Southwest Division championship with an injury-ravaged roster. You know, missing Dwight Howard, missing Terrence Jones, missing Patrick Beverly and Donald Smoney-Eunice. And they accomplished so much by winning a division where all five teams made the postseason that perhaps we shouldn't have doubted them. And, and granted, I, I picked the Rockets to win in seven before the series. I changed my opinion when I saw them lose game one because a revelation was there to me that the Clippers were the better team. But none of us should have doubted them because they've done a lot this season. They've accomplished so much in the face of adversity that 3-1 down was adversity, but they've done it before. So, I mean, really, and we'll delve into all of this, but hats off to them for not giving up on themselves, for circling the wagons within that locker room, for having a coach who believes in them and they believe in him, and doing all the little things necessary to kind of work their way back into the series, starting with Game 5 at home, starting with being down 19 in, in Game 6 on the road and not losing faith, and then starting tonight coming out like a house on fire in the first quarter and building the sort of momentum early you needed to, to thwart a team that was, you know, kind of teetering on a break. And I thought they did everything right from game five on. You know, and I think you, you just mentioned game five, six, and seven, and each one of those was a huge challenge for you to rebound in game five coming back home after what we saw at game four where it looked like, you know, maybe your coach is losing a little bit of confidence in you doing going to the hack of Jordan, uh, you know, intentionally fouling the entire first half and then getting blown out in the second half to going into game six where you've been killed on the road, you've been killed there twice, uh, and having to pull off this miraculous comeback. And now tonight, uh, a closeout game, you know, a, a game that they're, they haven't necessarily been in, a, a game seven experience. So, like I said, I'm just so proud of this team. I'm proud to be a Rocket fan and just happy to see what 
what they have accomplished. I, I don't think we can talk about Game 7 without talking about Game 6. I think Mikhail felt the same way tonight, talking about how they, they pulled this out. And he says, look, we don't get this opportunity without Brewer, Smith, Howard. Terrence Jones. Yeah, Terrence Jones. Exactly. Terrence Jones was the one who really started that miracle comeback run in Game 6. Uh, and, of course, uh, Ariza and Terry. Uh, I mean, I don't know how they were able to pull that off, but that was the most amazing, most unexpected, most unlikely run. It's going to go down in history. Um, Rockets history, certainly, if not NBA history, is just most unlikely improbable run, and it ended up saving the series. Watching Game 6 unfold, it made me think back to, I think, the last time the Mavericks were here and Chandler Parsons made reference, and not disrespectingly so, to the Rockets being James Harden and basically everybody else. And at that point, I don't think Howard was back, and it was a bunch of guys around James Harden and Harden kind of doing everything to carry this team. And, and it, we kind of discussed it, I think, offhand, maybe during the game about how you know the other guys on the team, the role players, had to kind of keep stepping forward and doing some things for the team. And Game 6 and Game 7 were the perfect example of that, where obviously Harden didn't play at all in the fourth quarter of Game 6. And then tonight, you know, Pablo Prigione, you know, <laughs> comes out of nowhere and does some miraculous things in the third quarter. But to the point, it, it was everybody else doing every little thing to kind of get this team over the hump. And, yeah, we talk a lot and spend a lot of time discussing two superstars or three superstars and how that's where you, you win a championship. But the entire roster construction is as important. And, you know, having guys like Jason Terry, who's won a championship before, and Corey Brewer, who's won a championship before, and Trevor Ariza, who's won a championship before, have those guys filling the void and doing the little things and big things to kind of get you over spots in the game where things can kind of get away from you it was huge for this team. And, and I don't want to lose sight of how great Hard and Howard have been through spots in this postseason, but they wouldn't be here without those other guys. Yeah. And, and tonight it was Pablo and, and, and Terrence Jones in spots and, and, and you know, Corey Brewer. But through the course of this series, they've had a lot of guys kind of step forward and do little things to kind of get them over the hump. And, you know, kudos to them. Kudos to Daryl Morey for finding the right people to put around his two superstars. And kudos to, to Kevin McHale for pushing the right buttons after this team got down three, three games to one. It shocks me because the Rockets seem to just blow them out, really, in these last three games. I mean, I'm only talking about the last, you know, stretch in game six, of course. But from where they came in the first four games, I mean, you could have argued that the Rockets could have potentially lost all four. You know, I mean, they were, there was that quarter, I think the second quarter in game two, where they were blowing out. And those role players you mentioned all were struggling. Josh Smith, Terrence Jones, Corey Brewer. These guys weren't giving you much of anything. And so, you know, that story you're talking about how the veterans and what they did, absolutely true. It proved to be true in these final three games. But it almost seemed like a Maverick series story because, you know, these guys were really struggling. And this, and we were about ready to run with the narrative that this uh, team just has a, has a talent gap. And it, and it really couldn't compete. And I think... Um, James Harden said something, you know, really uh, I, th- I thought was uh, impressive. Just said, "Hey, it, it was very easy to say, hey, maybe next year, and kind of give in, but he just you just have to focus one game at a time, just like the old Clutch City Rockets would always say. Hey, it's not you got to win three in a row. You got to win game five. Then you worry about game six and game seven. And I think that's what they they did tonight. As far as Prigioni, how do you steal the inbounds twice, twice. in a game seven? And that blew me away. Had two other steals. Had that offensive rebound save. Got it to to Ariza for the three. He was huge tonight. Trevor Ariza gets six three-pointers tonight. After having moments where he was struggling shooting and looking like he was hesitant to shoot the basketball. Yes, yeah. All of a sudden, the second half, he starts shooting. And he still drives me nuts when he fakes that three and takes two steps in and and fires the 18-footer. But still, tonight, 22 points. 
had a huge night. The dagger Mar- three-pointer in the corner a la Mario Ellie. <laughs> I mean, it was, it, was, it was pretty remarkable stuff. That was, I hadn't made that connection until you pointed it out, uh, you know, on Twitter. And, um, you know, it is interesting. Put, put the Rockets up 10 pretty much was the dagger because the Clippers were making a bit of a miracle run of their own in, in the, the fourth. The Rockets had built the lead up to 22, and I believe the Clippers cut it to six. To, to eight late in the game, to yeah. To eight. Harden comes up with 31 points, did have some turnover issues tonight. Seven of 20 from the field, not exactly lighting it up. But uh, 15 of 18 from the line, he was aggressive, got to the line, eight assists, seven rebounds. Dwight Howard, been pretty pretty much fantastic almost every game in the series. Uh, 16 points, 15 rebounds. I think probably underappreciated what he did in game six as well because these other guys were scoring. I mean, we could talk about the Josh Smith, Corey Brewer show where these guys were four of 30 from three-point range up till that fourth quarter, and they go five of seven in the the magical fourth quarter of game six. I mean, it, it blows my mind. Um, I'm just I'm, there's, I'm just overflowing with thoughts and ideas right now because what the Rockets accomplished is just amazing to me. And let's start with Kevin McHale. Uh, let's start with the, the three people who are most you know dismissed or, or disregarded or you know face the scorn of, of the public. Kevin McHale, James Harden, Dwight Howard. I thought Howard. He's been engaged from day one, every postseason he's been here. Let's not dismiss that, and let's focus on how well he's played on both ends. And to your point, game six defensively, he was all over the place, all yeah. over the glass, defending and, and, and checking every shot to the point where he was exhausted and called the timeout, which was maybe the most memorable moment for me. He was saying, look, I need a break. Yes. You know, it was, it was amazing to watch that unfold. James Harden, you know, look, you can't have it both ways with this guy. I love how people want to say, well, he's not going to get to the line in, a, in the postseason because they're not going to call fouls. But he was 15 of 18 tonight, and it helped carry his poor shooting from the floor because he kept getting to the line and didn't back away from the contact and did the things that make him what he is in terms of a unique score. And again, so he ends up with 31 points on 20 shots, which is quite okay. And, and Kevin McHale, again, I, I thought everything he did from game five on was right, from reinserting Josh Smith back into the starting lineup to giving Terrence Jones an opportunity to score and get some vigor back offensively with the second unit, to to sitting James Harden in the fourth quarter of game six. And tonight, I thought he, he was masterful when he called timeouts. Every time the Clippers built some momentum, he stopped it. And, and the Rockets came back out and scored. And that happened a few times tonight when I thought it was very, very critical because you knew the Clippers weren't going to lay down. They, they didn't want that history on their back, and they were going to keep fighting. And I thought Mikhail did a fantastic job of picking the right moment to break momentum, get the guys to refocus, and get them back on the court. And it, and it worked again and again and again. And look, I understand no one's ever going to confuse him or Greg Popovich as a tactician, but part of coaching is understanding your personnel. And I think he's gotten to a point where he knows his personnel very well and he knows how to utilize those guys extraordinarily well, and he deserves credit for that. So, you know, props to Harden, Howard, and McHale for doing great things under great duress because all eyeballs have been on them for the course of this postseason, and those guys overcame a very game Clippers team this, this week. You know, and you look at McHale, I'm glad you brought that up. I think the Josh Smith decision to start him is maybe a, a little bit overlooked. That was They went 3-0 and since that making that change. But play out game six if he i mean that is a the most gutsy decision to not play james harden almost the entire fourth quarter i think he only put him in spot situation at the very end uh play it all the way out because you know on our forums on our timelines fans were barbecuing him you've got to get harden back in here they're making a run get your best player back in here he stuck with what worked had the rockets lost that game I mean, this is already a guy that, that, that fans were ready to, to, you know, fire, want this, yeah. to want to see fired. 
uh, that would have been the final kill blow, pretty much. Credit to him, it was a brave decision. It paid off, and the Rockets are going to the West Finals. It's interesting, all the, and you and I have discussed these things a lot during the course of the game of, of fan overreaction. And, and people that we know personally, fans that we don't know, you know, oh, the, the Rockets, you know, threes and free throw approach doesn't work. Well, it was critical tonight because they got 41 free throw attempts and made 12 three pointers. Uh, you know, Kevin McHale doesn't know what he's doing. Well, I thought he made every right move in the last three games of this series. Well, James Harden is a postseason performer. Well, he had 31 points tonight and seven rebounds and eight assists. Yeah. Uh, you know, these guys, you know, maybe it's a seven-game series for a reason, and maybe people shouldn't overreact to every little thing that happens in the course of a series and let it all play out, let it marinate, so to speak. And it was interesting to me, all the little things that kind of go on behind the scenes, and you and I are privy to it. You know, the, the, the arrogance of the Los Angeles media once it got to 3-1, yeah, oh, they yeah. came back here and those guys were already talking about playing Golden State and, and you know, skewering the Rockets and disregarding Dwight Howard and all these little things that kind of happen. And, and look, I'm not a fan and you know, I'm not a fan of the Rockets, I really could not care less in terms of what happens beyond a selfish desire to see the Golden State Warriors play the next series, it's going to be a lot of fun. Yeah. But as fans, you have to understand all the little things that kind of go on and not overreact to every little thing that happens negatively. The Clippers are a very good team. Oh, yeah. So all the bad stuff that happened with the Rockets, a lot of it has to do with the fact that the Clippers are really damn good. You know, that Blake Griffin is outstanding, and Chris Walton I thought was, was masterful. Let the team kind of figure these things out and play it out over the course of seven games. I thought that was the most important thing for this series. Like, we spent a lot of time wondering about who's the best. Well, there's seven games to play out who's the best. And the Rockets proved they were the best team because they had seven games and they needed all seven games to get it done. And I thought it was a wonderful performance on their behalf. They did not give up on themselves once it was 3-1. They lost by 25 and 33 in L.A. and were down by 19 in game six. They could have easily given up. They didn't give up. I think there's a reservoir of self-confidence within this group that maybe they don't outwardly project. There's no swagger. Harden talks about swagger all the time, but they don't seem like they kind of carry it on their shoulders, but they play with it. And, and maybe that's going to serve them well against Golden State. I think we both believe that the Warriors are going to win a series. But what they've developed or what they've learned these last two rounds is something that I think they can really build on. Not just the advancing, but the way they play and how they've developed themselves as a team, as a unit. It's going to be interesting to see what they do next. But could the Rockets have won this series in five games if Dwight Howard didn't smile in practice? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, yes. I mean, stuff like that, it's, it's amazing to me. And I, and I get it. It's, some of that's never going to go away. And, and for, from a personal perspective, I'm happy for Dwight that he did this against the Los Angeles team. Yes. It's not the Lakers, but it's still the Los Angeles media. A lot of those guys, for whatever reason, just don't like him very much, and they take every opportunity to take a shot at him. He needed to have a series like this against them to show that, you know what, I can get these things done in this sort of circumstance, even though he's done it all the time. I mean, yeah. he's been a very good postseason performer. This notion that he isn't is folly. So, you know, good for him. You know, good for him to kind of step it in the face of the Los Angeles media against a team that plays in the same place that the Lakers play in, and those fans have been waiting to see him fail. Well, he didn't fail. And the same thing for James Harden and the same thing for Kevin McHale. Uh, you know, there's so, so much to talk about here, and I know we're probably going to end up leaving stuff still on the table. I have to talk to you about the Warriors, even though we're still kind of in uh, celebration mode here tonight, or, or, you know, we are. There's still confetti on the on the court. We're, sta- we're right up on the floor staring at it, confetti all over the place, and there you can hear the uh, blowers as they're clearing it off. But um, this is a 67-win team. Pretty much almost every game this year against the Warriors looked like game three and four against the Clippers. Um, the Rockets look completely outmatched against this team. Um, they have everything you would think you would need to, to be a Houston stopper. You've got a rim protector, a, a great post defender in Bogut. You've got athletic wings that can bo- both guard Harden and come out on the three-point line and athletic in their run and, 
and worst of all, they've got two 40-plus percent three-point shooters that can get them off in a hurry. Um, like, and like I said, a handful of guys that can guard Harden. Very tough matchup. I think uh, in the four matchups, the Rockets were 0-4, 50% from the field, uh, over 38% from three, where the Warriors, Rockets were 40%, 30%. It doesn't look good, but I just want to say one thing is that this series as well here against the Clippers didn't look good. Rockets came back, and since we're having so many memories jogged from 1995, as you know, uh, Trevor Reza channeled the, the kiss of death location for that shot, you know, the Rockets were, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, going off the of memory here, one in seven against the Spurs and the Orlando Magic that year. And that series really just energized them, changed them. The series against the, the Phoenix Suns, they went into San Antonio, won both games there. Uh, of course, won the series 4-2 and then swept the Magic. So they were 8-2 against those teams in the playoffs after going 1-7 or 1-8 against them in the regular season. Anything can happen, but this is an extremely tough matchup. I don't think you're going to see many national media heads, if any, pick the Rockets in this series. Well, wonky things happen in the postseason, and we shouldn't lose sight of that. And, and to give you credit for something, you talked about the Clippers' three-point shooting not lasting. Well, tonight they were 7 for 28 from three-point range. You talked a lot about their role players kind of being uneven in terms of their performance. Well, J.J. Redick, Austin Rivers, and Matt Barnes were a combined 5 for 18 from the field tonight. Crawford had 17 points, but he took 18 shots to get 17 points. Their bench, which had been good early, came back to being the Clippers bench that we all knew and loved and did absolutely nothing through the course of the last couple games of the series. So you, you never know how these teams are going to play out. And yeah, the, the Warriors have been much better than the Rockets this season, but they weren't much better than the Rockets last season. It was a pretty even matchup, if I remember correctly. And maybe the Rockets have kind of figured some things out. And I asked James this specifically in a post-game press conference about do you take what you learned in the fourth quarter of game six and extrapolate through the course of this game and then maybe into the next series, playing with energy, playing downhill, playing with fight, moving the basketball, moving bodies. These things that they don't always do, but when they do do them, they do them very well. Maybe that's the key to kind of getting some sort of advantage against the Warriors in terms of not being stagnant and playing with that level of, of, of energy, of vitality that you haven't done you know, consistently through the course of this postseason. Maybe they learned something. I thought Game 6 was an eye-opener for them. Game 7 tonight, they jumped on them early. They never trailed in this game. I, I, I can't stress that enough. Uh, they, they were only tied twice. So even though things got tense in the fourth quarter, they had the lead basically, I think, from the 754 mark in the first quarter through the course of the entire game. So you've learned some things in terms of what you do as a team. You carry that on to Golden State. You don't worry about what happened in the regular season. I'm, I'm curious to see if that happens in the East as well, where Cleveland was outplayed by Atlanta. Going to this postseason series with a great deal of confidence and recognize you do some things differently, maybe you win. You know, Rockets tonight hit 40% from three-point range. Uh, when they turned it on in game six, it was when they got hot from threes. Uh, in the you know, end of the third, uh, into the fourth quarter, they hit, I think they were five of 25 or something of that nature from three uh, before going hitting eight of their last 12. Might have been five of 20. Um, and... That's the, the key, and I think they struggled from three-point range uh, against the Warriors. Matter of fact, one of the better players against the Warriors was Donatus Motiunas, unfortunately, this season. Uh, but Patrick Beverly played big time. It's, it's a little bit of a different team that we're going to see here. Dwight did play in two of those games. Um, this Warrior team is very, very good. Excellent defensive team, excellent offensive team. That's why they've won 67 games, and it's why they really pretty much destroyed the Grizzlies after game three, you know, from that point on. Uh, just sort of took care of business, even though it's a very strong defensive team as well. I think what, what the Rockets need to focus on right now is enjoying what they've accomplished tonight. And, and it's funny, I said this to someone last night at the Astros game, that 
that maybe it's going to be a difficult sell, but you take what happened in Game 6, the historic accomplishment of winning Game 6 on the road, and embrace that if you're a Rockets fan. That was that was history. That was special. It was marvelous. Regardless of what happens in Game 7. Well, not even won Game 7. So take some time to kind of marinate on, on, on what happened, reflect on the accomplishment, and then move forward with a great deal of confidence. I think that's going to be more key than anything else. Yeah, it's a tough matchup for them individually, collectively. And yeah, I think the Warriors are maybe right now the, the favorite, hands-on favorite to win the championship. But they've never won a title before. Yep. And at, at some point, that kind of monkey kind of gets on you, and you have to deal with that. I thought the Clippers, when they got to 3-1, came back here with a bad attitude in Game 5, thinking, well, we have Game 6 in our pocket at home, and didn't handle business when they had the opportunity to. And there's a chance for the Rockets to do the same thing to the Warriors if the Warriors don't take seriously the matchup at hand. If they come in with a great deal of arrogance because they have dominated the season series. Look, there are plenty of cards on the table for the Rockets to go out and win the series. It's going to take much better performance than they did this series, but it's, it's definitely doable. So embrace what happened tonight. Enjoy it. Get ready tomorrow for what's going to be a fantastic opportunity for the team to keep building as a franchise. I think by and large... If they had gotten this thing to six games and played well, it would have been an accomplishment. So yeah. win this series is even more so. So now what's next? You know, attack that next step and, and attack it in terms of, of, of franchise building and kind of getting ready for whatever the future holds. I couldn't agree more. Embrace growth. Even if it's not this year, This, this the future for the team is still very bright. They've got a lot of assets. Uh, I mean, don't get me wrong. They have a great opportunity in front of them. I'm not dismissing that. But... They've made. They're now got to the West Finals. You know, we talked about just getting out of the first round. That was a step. We felt it should have been the step they took last year. Uh, now they've got to the West Finals. I think they're probably on pace now. They're back to where they, they should be on schedule. Um, this is going to be a great series. I mean, the the, the Warriors, um, 39 and two in the regular season at home. The Rockets are now in a different situation. They had home court advantage in the first two series. They don't have that here in the West Finals against the the Warriors. They've got to win one in Golden State, and that's. You know, after taking care of business in three games here, so it's going to be a, a big challenge. I, and I will say that the Warriors did lose one uh, home game to the Grizzlies here in their series, um, but it's going to be it's going to be great. We've got the number one and the number two MVP candidates going at each other, and again, channeling that 1995. Uh, you know, everything is sort of matching that 20 years ago. Akeem Olajuwon coming in against David Robinson. I'm not saying James Harden's about to do that, but you're probably going to hear that story more than uh, once here in the, during this series. I'm curious to see what happens in Game 1. Can the Rockets bring the same level of energy the Clippers brought in this series after coming off a of Game 7 victory against the Spurs? That's going to be curious to me. Like We all kind of took for granted that the Clippers will be flat and tired on basically one day of rest coming into Game 1 here, and they came with a great deal of energy and slow Game 1 on the road and set the tone for a really good series for them. Look, the same circumstances are applying here. The Rockets play game seven today. They'll play game one on the road on Tuesday night. The Warriors have had additional rest and waiting because their series ended a couple days ago. How do the Rockets handle it? And how do the Warriors really, maybe that's the bigger question, how do the Warriors handle it? Do they think and take for granted the Rockets are going to be tired or do they come out and play with vigor from the opening tip? Again, it's a huge opportunity for Rockets to go in there and maintain the momentum they've established on winning three games in this series and take it to Oakland and win game one and then set the table for what could be a fantastic series from that point moving forward. Dude, I'm, I'm just so happy this is fantastic to see. That is M.K. Bauer. He is going to see Mad Max Fury Road while, yeah. I, go, while I go work on this podcast. It's not a fair deal, but uh, uh, I, I, I always love having you on, man. This is a great experience. I can't believe after we did that Game 5 podcast, we were almost like saying, hey, maybe we'll have a, a chance to come back here and, and uh, go to the West Finals, and that's what's happening, and uh, I couldn't be happier. Thanks again for doing this. Looking forward to Saturday night.